Um, one of the goals we have at Chapter House is to educate our viewers on how to break down biblical information and separate religion and tradition from revelation. Paul's thorn is just one of the fables that puts God in a bad light and only helps to diminish and minimize our faith. Maybe doing Christian mythology as a series or maybe I'll be doing it off and on as we travel. I'm Robert Winfield and this is Chapter House. Hey, welcome back. Let's get into this. Uh, we're going to try to debunk some of these myths. So let's start out with Paul's thorn and review our base scripture in 2 Corinthians for reference. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9, at least I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me least I should be exalted above all measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness, not sickness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities than the power of Christ may rest upon me. We're going to take this apart and put it back together again to show how this has been one of the cornerstones to Christian mythology. People still banter about this bit of scripture as if it revealed the mystery of creation itself. The theory is that Paul was given some type of sickness or disease to humble him because he was too knowledgeable and potentially prideful. The other concept is that God put the curse on Paul using Satan to accomplish the task. And when Paul asked for help, God said, no. It's paramount to remember that all this flotsam about Paul's sickness is unadulterated theory, conjecture, and rumor. And it's lobbed off the pulpit as gospel truth. The following is how religion conveys this scripture. And if it was supposed to say the following, why was it written so? 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9, the religious version. And since I'm so prideful about how much I know, God has sent the devil to make me sick and blind. I asked God three times to help me, but he said no. It was his will for me to be sick to keep me humble, because the sicker I am, the stronger God is in me. If this was a sickness or malady that Paul had, and he asked God to heal him, which isn't in the text, then God would have to heal him because of Matthew 8, 2 through 3. Jesus slash God never turned down anyone. But Paul didn't say he was sick or asked to be healed. He asked if God would make this thorn depart. Depart means to make an exit, break camp, or take its leave from him. One of the key words we need to look at is thorn, which is the Greek word 4647, scallops. Thorn 
should simply mean a splinter or a bramble thorn. But in this case, it's used as slang by Paul, a figure of speech. We've used it as slang as well, saying that such and such a person has been a, a thorn in my side. Paul, being a Hebrew, would know Hebrew slang, and we can show how this slang word was used against those who are a pain to be with, deal with, or be exposed to. We have three Old Testament scriptures that show how Paul would have recollected the word thorn. Numbers 33:55. But if ye will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which you have let remain of them shall be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and shall vex you in the land which you dwell. Joshua 23:13. Know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps unto you, and scourges in your sides, and thorns in your eyes, until you perish from off this good land which the Lord has given you. And finally, Judges 2 through th two, Judges 2 3. Wherefore I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare unto you. Now, since all these definitions are in Hebrew, let's look at the Hebrew definition of thorn, since Paul, a Hebrew, would be familiar with this word in this context. Thorn, Hebrew word 6796, which is thorn or prick. The root word is Hebrew 6791, meaning dubious. Dubious meaning suspicious, suspect, untrustworthy, questionable, or dodgy. Dodgy in one definition was defined as potentially dangerous. This whole process of the thorn is mental and spiritual torment by a person or persons who are influenced by the devil. In verse 8, it's called an it. It was designed to make Paul cave and give up. We have to remember this whole episode doesn't start in verse 7, it starts in verse 3. Also, we should have to stretch the credibility that Paul was sick by the hand of God by believing Satan was God's toady and that God sends Satan out to do all the evil crap God doesn't want to get his hands dirty with. Paul also did not revel in his spiritual infirmities, but also mentioned reproaches, necessities, persecutions, and distresses, none of which he attributed to acts of God or only occurred because God didn't help. In other words, let the weak say they are strong. Also note that while Paul suffered stoning, caning, shipwreck, starving, and such, he never mentions he had eye problems. In fact, Jesus healed him of all that before he started his quest for the Lord. Are we to believe the Lord just gave it all back to him? That sounds a bit implausible. Now let's look at the word flesh, since that's where the thorn does its work. Flesh, Greek word 4561, meaning carnal. The flesh denotes mere human nature, the 
earthly nature of man apart from divine influence and therefore prone to sin and opposed to God. King James also translates Greek 4561 as carnally minded. The word translated flesh means just that, the body or flesh, or better yet, the mind. But the word flesh can also mean human nature or the earthly nature of man, which is prone to sin, as well as animalistic nature. And during the persecutions of human thorns, Paul was put into the position to be tempted to yield to his old earthly nature. The supposition is that Paul was tormented by the thorns enough to be tempted to go after the source of torment. We can't say this for sure, but if a person persecuted you enough to get under your skin, most likely you would, if you could, shut that person down. Paul's torment became so great that he cried out to God for help. Even Moses cried out to God before parting the Red Sea to be delivered from the Egyptian thorns. God responded basically the same way to both. To Moses, he says, why are you crying out to me? Raise your hand and part the sea. He said to Paul, my grace is sufficient. In other words, through my grace, you take care of it. You can handle it. That person is nothing. Let's look at who the culprits might be in Paul's irritation. 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 20 and 58 and 59. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them might war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some have put away concerning faith have made shipwrecked of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, for they may learn not to blasphemy. And we see 2 Timothy 4, 14 through 18, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord rewarded him according to his works, of whom be aware also, for he has greatly withstood our words at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsake me, and pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Or could we say it was delivered out of the mouth of Alexander? And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me into his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Now, in my opinion, Hymenaeus and Alexander seem to be the ones Paul would consider thorns and Satan's little helpers. And we see God delivered him from these issues. The scripture as a witness says that the Lord stood with me and strengthened me I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. That would be the sufficient grace of God, I would say. Saying the messenger of Satan to buffet me aligns with Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. They seem to match. There is grace for every issue of life. 
the Lord says, I have empowered you to take care of those issues. Like all Christians, you are empowered and responsible to command Satan to stand down and therefore eliminate the ability of the thorns to torment you. Now, Paul said that God said <laughs> that his grace was sufficient. The word sufficient means to be possessed of unfailing strength, to be strong, to suffice, to be enough against any danger, hence to defend or ward off. God was insinuating to Paul there was no reason to ask for removal. You don't ask for help when the viper bit you. You didn't ask for help when you were stoned to death. You didn't ask for help on that sinking ship you were on. What you allow to captivate your mind or, or flesh will rule your life. The grace of God is sufficient to help. If God didn't help Paul, it would be contrary to Philippians 4.19 and 2 Timothy 4.18, just to name a few. But Jesus never refused anybody. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. It was never said you must keep any sickness, malady, or disease for any reason. It's not in Scripture. It's just not there. If it was so, Paul would have had to keep the scales upon his eyes that he was originally plagued with after seeing Jesus for the first time. Why would Satan want to hinder Paul? Could it be the abundance of revelation about who the Christian is, what the Christian has, what the Christian can do? But for many, the verse that says, least I should be exalted above all measure through the abundance of revelation would refer to Paul exalting himself. But does God exalt and lift up the humble? 1 Peter 5, 6-10 seems to say so. 1 Peter 5, 6-10 Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks around seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accompanied in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, remember, my grace is sufficient, Paul, who has called us into this eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a little while, make you perfect, established, and strengthened to settle you. Let's, let's define that a little bit. Let's define 1 Peter 5, 6 through 10 definition. By being humble, God will exalt you, but take your cares and give them to him because the devil goes around looking for people he can torment and hinder from their destiny. Continue to have faith in God's grace, which is sufficient, to overcome the devil. If you resist him, the devil, he can't harm you or hinder you. You may have to battle to renew your mind, which is the devil's battleground, but my grace guarantees your victory. Now, Paul became a target for Satan because he told people that through the new birth, they became brand new creatures in Christ, and they have authority in the spiritual realm. They have Christ, the anointing, in them and they can commence spiritual warfare. 
because they are the righteousness of God, Satan can be defeated. Did you think Satan would want to stop Paul or do you really believe that God was trying to keep him humble by making him sick? We could assume that those who believe God would give his child a disease to teach the child a lesson would do the same for his or her own natural child. That makes sense, right? Don't let anyone tell you God will hurt you and make you sick or twist scripture to explain their own misfortunes. God is a good God. Jesus was bruised and tortured so that we could be healed and made whole. We have more than a few issues like this in Christian mythology, and we'll tackle them one by one like Humpty Dumpty. They'll have a great fall, and with all the king's horses and all the king's men, we'll put them all back together again. Stand in faith, walk in love, and launch out into the deep. Till next time.